Welcome to the HTW Podcast, where your hosts, Erica Huss and Zoe Sakutis, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We stepped away from the juicer and into the sound studio to talk about this rapidly evolving world of wellness. We'll sit down with wellness experts and entrepreneurs for candid conversations and tales from the trenches, how they got their start, how they turned their ailments into ideas, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll bring you news, updates, and our unsolicited opinions on everything we discover in sickness and in wealth. Located at the intersection of wellness and business, H2W is your navigator on the bumpy highway to well. And good afternoon. Good afternoon. How's everyone doing? <laughs> We're doing great. Uh, we are doing great. I'm a little over caffeinated, I think. Are you? A little bit. Yeah. I've been on the decaf tip and I still feel hopped up, I think, because Mercury is in retrograde and everybody is bananas. Yeah, that's true too. How much caffeine have you had today? You know, I have like in my coffee, I do like the whole, I don't even know. It's probably really- you put caffeine in your coffee? Yeah, I did a red eye. I dropped a <laughs> shot of espresso in my coffee and then I chased it with a Red Bull. And a main line and an eight ball. I actually have like 10% coffee, like my little blend. So like mm-hmm. I really trick myself. It's really like 75% decaf and like 25% coffee, which is like pretty mellow. And then, but for me, it might even be too much now. Yeah, I found that. I used to be on the 80-20 tip. And uh, yeah. as soon as I went completely 100-0, it actually made a huge difference. And it made me, my sleep was better. And I felt like I was less of a unpredictably raging bitch. I can still be a raging bitch, but I liked it when I knew it was <laughs> coming as opposed to when it would just sneak up on me. Yeah, and I think the caffeine that. was the culprit. Damn. Don't tell Chris that. Okay. <laughs> so, because mornings are a little rough around here. But yeah, so I feel a little over caffeinated. Anyway, I'm getting, getting, calming down, coming down. I'm coming down. Calm down. We can grab you a little nip of your pen if you need it. But then I'll have like a matcha latte. But yeah, it's, it's it's different caffeine. It is different caffeine. I just need to switch all together. You know why I don't? And, and does anyone care? But because it's just sometimes it's the ritual. Sometimes I want the ritual of coffee. Sometimes I want, I don't actually ever really crave the ritual of matcha, but at least there is a ritual of making something, which I like. Right. But what I don't understand, actually, not that I don't understand it, it's just, you know, my axe to grind is that so far there is not a decaf matcha on the market, or if there is, it's not very well known because like matcha is delicious. And for those of us who really enjoy it and miss it, once we've jumped off the caffeine train, it would be nice to have that option. And if, if it exists out there, I would like to see it because I have not seen evidence that it's available. You have a decaf matcha axe to grind? <laughs> I do. That's my axe today. I mean, it's a very small axe compared to the other ones that are having to do with, you know, like the health professionals in my life who are kind of letting me down. So we don't need to get into that. I would rather grind the matcha axe than the dentist um, axe. Hey, I'll, I'll take that matcha axe. <laughs> How did that just sound? Oh my God. And then I just picked up a little book that says Mr. Happy and it just put everything in perspective. Yeah, like you, be... you just found that. Oh, the, the children's book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's Mr. Happy, Mr. Sneeze, Mr. I Tickle. I love those books. Mr. Happy does not have an axe to grind. So maybe I will try to be little Miss Happy today. Mr. Piss Off. Little Miss Crabby Bitch with an Axe to Grind. Uh, That one was never published. I can't believe it. Should we talk about who we had a chat with? Yes, let's talk about Robin. Robin Euclides. Euclides. 
she's she's one of yours. She's actually one of yours and one of mine. No, she's not one of mine. She's one of yours parading around like she's one of my she's Matt. She's not even. She's actually very forthcoming. She's like, you know, she is a Jew. She is not a Greek. Erica is not a Greek. Nor a Jew, but somewhere in between. You're like a half Jew. <laughs> and I'm half Greek, yeah. And then so we kind of met somewhere in the middle, <laughs> Rob Nicholas. That was not really what we focused on for the show. So don't worry, people. It's actually much more interesting than that. She has more to talk about than just how to pronounce her last name and where it comes from. Yeah, she didn't actually want to talk about it at all. I wanted to talk about it. I was like, oh, you're Greek. Like I say to everyone with a Greek last name. <laughs> and then she was like, not really, no. And then I was just shut down. So that was, that was you know, kind of crushed me. But The good news is that she has more to say on other topics, namely, you know, our favorite topic, gut health. It's all in the gut. Yeah. So Robin fancies herself an expert in digestive health and gut related issues. And she is kind of like the queen of ferment. She's got a lot of, um, a lot of great quick and easy hacks to how to, you know, how to ferment your own food, like your vegetables and your, well, not fruits. Although, yeah, you can have pickled, like, fruit. You can pickle anything. You can pickle anything. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I took some, I took some takeaways from that conversation and I've been implementing some of her suggestions on a regular basis. And I do find that I've noticed a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? I mean, well, you know, we don't really need to get into it, but she talks about, you know, drinking like copious amounts of water every morning before anything else. And then also having just like a little bit of a fermented food before you eat any meal to kind of like it's sort of like the overture to the digestive process, which is like act one, two, and three. So my overture is going pretty well. I've been having some, you know, sauerkraut and some beets, some like fermented beets, and it's tasty. And also, you know, there's some digestive harmony going on if you would like to continue with my orchestra metaphor. I would like to continue with any musical metaphor. Because <laughs> that's how I do. <laughs> but um, I, I thought she, she had a lot of good tips. She's got a couple of great books out. Um, Thin from Within. And Go With Your Gut. She's got a good bedside manner, I think. She does. She has very good energy. She's very approachable when like talking about things like, I mean, you know, really, it's like you're talking about your gut and fermenting and like bowel movements. So she's, you know, uh, there are a few people I want to talk about flatulence with, and I guess she's one of them. Totally. I mean, we are basically like the peanut gallery of poop. So (laughs) come on down. (laughs) Nice compliment. You can be paid. I want to talk. If there's anybody I want to talk about farts with, it's that girl. Okay, well, so let's have a listen and see what she can share with everyone else. I can start anytime. Okay, so Robin, my first question for you. Oh, right in. Cool. Is it Euclides or is it Euclides? Euclides. Euclides. So my last name is Greek, but I am technically not Greek at all. It's very confusing. I know. At some point of persecution, my family went and lived with a Greek family and took on their name. That's amazing. Because they all sort of, I guess, died off or better phrasing. And so every Eucalyptus in the world I'm related to because it all started with this. I am Jewish, Eastern, European, Russian, and Romanian. Did you do your super like, Jew? I had like a modern Orthodox rabbi marry me. So we're like, wow. No, I mean, we're not that. My husband would be like, we're not that Jewish, but compared to most, we are. We're not that Jewish. We're, not- <laughs> <laughs> we're like medium Jew. Yeah. He's like, we're 
Haradia says all these super Jews. I'm like, no, we do, we do do a lot. Like my daughter says the prayers. And oh, we do Shabbat yeah. and so do big yeah. Yeah. I uh, I'm Greek. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sekudas. Um, and I married a Jew. So we're kind of, you know. And you got a half Jew work wife. And I got a half oh Jew God, work yeah. wife. So together so, in this room, we make one big Jew and kind of a Greek. And a real <laughs> true Greek. <laughs> we and make a little a, bit of Greek flavor. We like a, a medium well Jew. <laughs> Between this room, we have the best food. Yeah. yeah so totally. that's all that's really important, totally. I think. With a side of tzatziki. With schnitzel. <laughs> yeah. Not schnitzel. What I was going to say schmaltz. Schnitzel yeah. came out. I was just schmaltz. at Oktoberfest and a German thing. So no, schmaltz. Did you just have a beer before you came here? You know, it wouldn't have been a, <laughs> bad, a bad idea. It is bad fermented. It yeah. is fermented. <laughs> so. Start offering our guests like actual cocktails. I know, we really should. Would you like a Schlitz? <laughs> we probably have a flask in that drawer over there. Not from us, but from someone else. Okay. So. Well, kombucha has a little alcohol in it. So yes, you could, true. that could be the borderline drink. It does. That's how I got my drink on whilst pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very controversial, by the way. I get questions on that constantly about kombucha and pregnancy. Really? Mm-hmm. Controversial. Need to get it's very controversial. <laughs> so who? Right. So who's finding controversy in like 0.2% alcohol? I'm like, I think you're fine. Check your doctor. Yeah. Right. But with everything, as I teach, as we'll talk about, is check with your intuition. What's your body telling you? Right. I was Go basically drinking kombucha on the nights I wasn't drinking wine while I was pregnant. Right. So it was a much better alternative. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. you're you and the gut. You guys mm-hmm. are quite familiar. We are. We're good friends. Yeah. How how did that come mm. to be? Well, you know, it's the center of us. It's typically as women the thing we're always looking at, right? Who else? Who does the lift shirt test? You know, oh, what's my belly look like today? Oh, is it flat? Oh, is it big? How am I going to feel about my body? And this gut, this place, this center of us can be so emotional for so many of us. And for me, it was that meter of you know, am I good? Am I bad? Am I eating well? Am I doing enough in the world? Like. Everything came down to how my belly looked that day. And this goes back to... Goes way back. Totally, totally. Just always finding something wrong with my body and never feeling at peace with it. And eventually through my work, I was able to come back to the gut and realize like, whoa, this is the center of you and that's a big deal. And that means something chemically speaking. It means something, you know, physiologically speaking and how it's responsible for so many of your body's processes. But also realizing when we say that phrase, you know, what's your gut say? I was like, oh... This is connected here. And that's when that conversation started to get louder between, okay, my physical belly being my gut and what that looks like and how that's making me feel and how I'm talking to it and how I'm approaching it to our digestive system and how our guts are responsible for our our health and how we feel and our well-being stemming from that place. And then also our intuition and how we hear these voices that are meant to guide us in our life. And like, what does that really mean? And then through my, so I struggle with my weight and body image forever. And eventually I landed at a nutrition school and started my own health coaching practice a decade ago. So I've been doing this for 10 years, which is crazy to me because it was never my intention to do anything around this. And realizing in my coaching practice through the years and working with hundreds of clients from around the world that this was all connected mm-hmm. and that there was a way to have a conversation that could nourish all those parts of us and really tune into that conversation you're having with yourself about your body and then also help your belly digest your food better and then also get more intuitive hits because that's when life feels like it's lit up, like it feels like it's flowing for you. And even when it's not flowing for you, you feel okay with it just a little bit more, which is sometimes just enough. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you're really finding ways to kind of incorporate the gut into your overall daily experience, whether from a digestive point of view or an emotional point of view. I mean, it is, it's interesting how deeply rooted it it really is in all of our 
health status. And I think it's something that I think still eludes people in a lot of ways. I think Mm -hmm. there are probably a lot of people out there that are like, oh, all this stuff about microbiome and gut is just kind of like the next wave of, you know, snake oil that they're trying to sell us. But I mean, it really is. It's real. And I think in your practice, I mean, what have you like, what can you tell people that just kind of don't buy into this? Like, what's the first sort of place that you would start from? Yeah. So I think it's amazing that it's trending. And yes, there's always like a little bit of a rebel in each of us. It's like, well, I'm not going to get on that bandwagon. And, you know, what, what's the deal here? And also, gut can be really confusing, right? A lot of us say we're bloated or we are not pooping enough. But sometimes that can just be code for I feel fat. Right. That's a, a socioeconomic, like, well, not socioeconomic, but rather social way that we can kind of share that. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can say, oh, I feel bloated and have that conversation. Whereas if you say, I feel fat, it turns into something else. And so, what's the symptom that's really happening there? And then for the people who actually are bloated, what are they, where do they turn to? What diet is going to help? How are they, should they eat their food? You know, there's so much complexity around it. And I always say, around it being trendy now, what's so great is that we're just getting more research. Mm-hmm. There's just more science. And there has been no science that's been, that come to the surface saying anything what we've all basically been saying, you know, that your microbiome is responsible for so many of your body's processes, that you are made up of trillions of bacteria that live on you, in you, and they are the ones actually running the show. You have more bacteria in you and on you than you have human cells. Yes, you have like 70 trillion. Yes, you are walking bacteria. Like pounds, if you actually, it's pounds. There's mass to it, exactly. Exactly, so it's like, you know, we call it our second brain, right? Yes, so the gut-brain access there and, and the millions of neurons that communicate between our bellies and our brain. So it really is like, that gut hit that I mentioned earlier, yeah. that's real. And so funny, like Erica, to your point, the, the pushback is like, you know, I don't want to hear about the importance of my gut or microbiome or whatever. It's just, so it's, it's complicated. I mean, it's complicated until you start educating yourself around it. But it's also like, we are so separated from our body, right? We have like our head and mm-hmm. then we have our mm-hmm. body. And once you start saying like, you know, you have an, another brain in your stomach, <laughs> It's just like, what? <laughs> like, I want to keep these two things separate. This is what I know. It's very clear. Right. It's and very, if it's like, not organized. or broken, then I don't <laughs> care. Right. My head is for thinking. My gut is for feeling full. Right. And it's, it's, it's funny. Feeling. It's like, no, like, the challenge is, like, no, they're, it's actually one and the same. Yeah. And it also can be really frustrating for people because they don't know where to start. Yeah. Right? There's so much information out there. There's so many conversations around this because it is trendy, because it is in the media and everything that we're reading and seeing that it's more confusing for people than ever. So like, oh, forget the whole thing. I don't know what to do. So like, what is our gut responsible for? So what is a healthy gut doing and what is a gut that's not in balance doing? Yeah. So healthy gut is responsible. Mainly, its main job is to digest your food. So to break it down, decide what needs to pass and end up in your poop and what can be used for fuel and nutrients and get dispersed essentially. So it's breaking down that process for you through all those organs. The gut is also, they found that 70 to 80% of your immune tissue is located in your gut. So when we say our immune system, we're mostly talking again about our digestive system, the system of organs that we have down here working with each other. So our immunity, when we say, well, I need immunity supplement or I need to increase my garlic, it's all to nourish your gut and your microbiome that's responsible for keeping you healthy. They've also said that, you know, 90% of your serotonin, that's your brain's happy hormone that helps you feel good, lifted from inside out, that is produced in your gut. 90% of that is produced in your gut. So really all this, and there's even more than that, you know, is coming from this system inside of you that is so intelligent, so brilliant. And I want your listeners to know, is working in your favor. 
your gut wants you to feel good. It wants to digest your food well for you. It wants you to have energy from what you're eating and and the life experiences that you're taking in. And I would say a gut that's not functioning as well as it possibly can be is tricky because it can masquerade itself as so right. many I think different that's things. Such a huge point, though. Yeah, it could be headaches. It could, you know, it, it's it's very Mood hormones yeah. balance. You know, where you are in your your period cycle. Like, there's so much involved that it, it you know it can be very confusing. So I would say first off, knowing that your gut's not working. One, are you someone who's constantly saying like my digestion's off or I feel like something's off down here? That's a great way to know right there. That symptom can look. very very completely different for you than it could from a client of mine, for example. You're going to get that little, like, those little sentences, little voices speaking to you saying that something's off down there. Some other physical symptoms, again, it could really could be anything. You get headaches, bloating, not pooping enough. Not pooping enough is a huge one. Huge, 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 huge. You ideally want to be pooping at least once a day. Like that's pretty at much least. for at least once a day. So that's one like a big fine. ask. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. You said um, once is a big ask? At least once a day. It can be ask. for people. Saying at least. I mean. Yeah, I have a family member daunting. who poops like once a week and that's totally normal for her. That's a good sign that the body is doing its job well. That it's burning correctly, functioning correctly. And also, you know, do you feel good after you eat? You might feel a little tired, but that might mean you just need some fresh air and you need to take your eyes off of a screen. It might not mean that something's wrong with your belly. There's so much here. That's why I have two complete books on it. You know, my first book, Go With Your Gut, that came out a few uh, a couple years ago, was kind of the digestive health primer that really does talk about, you know, the food that you're taking in. Are you having a lot of artificial ingredients, funky additives, things like that? Like that can be enough to just mess up your good gut bacteria, for example. And then my more recent book, Thin From Within, really takes you through the emotional experience of slowing down around your food? Are you breathing when you're eating, right? Are you sucking it in? Mm -hmm. That's going to affect your digestive system. So yeah, there's a lot involved here, but there's definitely a few simple things that you absolutely can do and have a place to start so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. That's why I'm in my coaching practice with everything. I'm like, okay, where can we start? And what's just one to two, three, one to two things, three at the max that you could focus on. So you feel empowered to do this. I want you to feel empowered. I don't want you to feel weighed down by all of this. What is the most common uh, reason that somebody comes to you for your coaching practice? Their weight. Weight loss. Their weight loss. And, you know, I phrase this and I'm very specific about how I speak about weight loss. And this is all in Thin From Within because I talk about it as it can be physical weight, but likely it's more emotional weight. Mm -hmm. It's what's been weighing you down. And I connect this to a story for myself. Like I was on this uh, yoga retreat uh, with my husband and I was doing yoga like twice a day. And it was a new resort center. It was in Nicaragua so many years ago, like before Nicaragua was a thing. And so they just didn't even have enough food. We were like, oh my God, there's avocado today. Thank God. And I was also training for half marathon at the time. And so I was running, I think the back roads, like nine miles and then doing these yoga classes. And I don't even know what I was eating because it was like a pile of plants with not nearly enough fat or protein. And Uh, There's a photo from that trip that I looked at myself and I remember, you know, at the time looking in the mirror and looking at this picture and thinking I wasn't thin enough. Like still thinking I wasn't thin enough. When you looked at the picture. When I looked at the picture, both, both. Same, looked at the photo and how I felt in my body. And I look at- What does that even mean? Thin enough for what? Right. And like when I look back at that photo now, I'm like, wow, there is no there. But what was making me feel a weight- that wasn't necessarily physical there. And yes, I've had physically there. And yes, I've had other times in my life where it was more about the physical weight. It was what was weighing me down in my life. Like what what was making me feel that way? Mm -hmm. And our emotions can be real heavy Mm -hmm. where they're coming through us and coming through us and there's no exit plan 
kind of like your poop, (laughs) which is why I love the gut conversation so much because it's so connected to everything. You know, you're going to feel that. Mm -hmm. And yes, sometimes it can be about the physical weight, but often physical weight is a symptom of the other things we have going on, right? Are we slowing down with our meals? Are we taking our time? Are we eating too complicated? Are we questioning everything? Are we chewing? You know, how is our water intake? It's such a sign for everything else that we have going on. Yeah, it's so interesting that culturally, I think that there's a real lack of understanding around the emotional piece. So, you know, I think it's difficult for people to talk to other people who are overweight and it's sort of like, okay, well, you just need to exercise. Like, I, you know, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be healthy. Why don't you like, you know, here are all these options. But the real conversation is like, how are you feeling? Yeah. Like how are you in your head? Like in your life, what's going on in your like world? Like emotionally, like how are you feeling? Because it's not about that. It's yeah. always about, I mean, not always, but very often <laughs> right. it is yep. about the, uh, the emotional piece. Yeah. And there's definitely some tips and tools, you know, I'm I'm all about the practical, but the emotional piece is the deeper part here. You know, so I always ask my clients and my readers, like, what's been weighing you down? Mm -hmm. Because if there is no there, and I'm sure I'm going to ask everybody, you know, think of a time in your life when you look back a photo, did you think that you were there? Did you feel great in your body at the time? Most likely you still thought you had five pounds, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, or whatever it was to lose. So how can we get you feeling better right now? And then maybe your weight shifts from that and maybe it doesn't. Right. But you but feel, you shift. you shift. And I guarantee you, no matter, even if, forget the scale, but even if the number was exactly the same, you look completely different. Yeah. I feel like that's something you hear commonly too when they ask, you know, women that are in their like 70s and 80s, like if you could look, you know, when you look back on your life, what are the, and I feel like the common response often is, you know, I just wouldn't worry about those like five pounds, like yeah. those five pounds that just plagued me throughout my 30s or 40s or whatever it is. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, I, yeah, like I wish I just accepted where exactly yeah. where I was when I was there. Right. Like, it's such a waste of energy. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And I'm so happy to see that there's so much around the body positivity movement happening now. Like, I weigh, for example, if you heard, it's just the letter I, and then I think it's underscore way. And just saying, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it really, really doesn't. And yes, I'm here to talk about the healthy habits too because I want you to feel good. Right. You know, throwing at all the healthy stuff we're talking about out the window doesn't feel good either. You feel tired, you feel sluggish. You don't, you know, it's not about that either. But my friend, Diane Sanfilippo, who's an, another author and incredible on Instagram and just a h- amazing human, posted on her feed recently about, you know, she went to buy pants in size six didn't fit. So she bought a size eight or she was telling us about someone was like, just buy a bigger size pant. Like, it's okay. Don't go home and cry and not eat for three days. Yeah, go buy the next size up and then feel good about that. And then think like, what else could I add in my life that would make me feel good too? Like, can we all just give ourselves a break? And in that space, in that ease, then we're going to have a better chance of finding what really does work for us. And that's what happened with me. I let go so much of the pressure. A lot of it was through a process of having my daughter and planning for a family and wanting to make sure that my body was as, you know, tip-top shape as it could be and created a healthy home for this future baby to live in. And I was like, oh my God, my body is my home. Shouldn't it always feel good? Like, can I chill out about this a little bit? And then when that happened, a lot of the physical weight started to come off. And it just, forget the physical weight. Again, it just, I felt better. It was more that like my outsides felt like they were matching my insides. If I'm eating calmly with my meals, if I'm eating food that feels good for me most of the time, mind you, I go out and have a blast and don't think about it as much then too. But like, if it feels balanced for me, that's when I feel good no matter what the I'm looking like in the mirror. But of course, the mirror is going to look good too. You know, that's when it's reflected back to me. And that's when everything just really changed. And my body could show up for me in the way that I was 
I never really thought it ever could, you know, when I didn't trust it as a kid. Yeah. On that note of your daughter, I was just thinking about, you know, what are all of the culprits of, you know, like what wipes out your gut? Like what Mm. are the worst possible things for your gut? And one of them, I mean, well, one of the most positive things is like being born vaginally, right? And it's funny because I had I had a uh, two, so I did one vaginal and I did one C-section. So I have my little control group. Ah, I'm doing my little. Experiment. It was all done with intention. <laughs> all very, yeah. all in the name of wellness. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're really going to study him. He did not have that bacteria on the way out. He was not like kissing my. <laughs> you know, you could have swabbed your vagina though. But That's you what know I was about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like a new thing. So, yeah. but it didn't. It was not offered to me the first time, which was C-section. The second time, vaginal. They were like, you know, when I was talking to my doula about it, because I was so, con- I was just like, baby needs to come out of my vagina. He needs oh, to you back. had a V-back. Cool. Vaginal yeah. birth after C-section. Yeah. It's not very common. So No, apparently cool. not. I no. Very. So um, I think we should make Sadie a t-shirt that says V-back, V-back baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but my doula, I, I just remember it was, it was a topic. It was a subject. It was like, you know, it was offered. And... Basically, they just take a swab right after you get birth and they like swab your Ginny and then they like stir it all over the baby's face. And they're like, there you go. The beginnings of your healthy microbiome. But that's very recent. I was just curious, like, do you when you're meeting with your clients, like, are any of them pregnant? Do you have that conversation? And then what is the conversation that you have around antibiotics and other sort of like culprits that have to do with you know, completely annihilating your gut and your good bacteria. Yeah. So antibiotics literally mean anti-life and probiotics literally mean pro-life. So, you know, something's going to come in, it's going to kill everything. I would say antibiotics would be number one top, you know, things that would be not good for your gut. There's definitely others, you know, having vegetables from poor soil, like that doesn't sound like as extreme, but even that doesn't get as many microbes as it used to. So it's definitely, there's a bunch of things, you know, as many, you know, if you see something in a box that looks dry and light and crispy and processed, clearly there's not going to be any good bacteria on something like that. So the more foods that look fresh and from the earth and well-sourced, like that's definitely going to be better. And of course, some fermented foods we can get to. Around the baby conversation, you know, I mostly have that conversation a little bit on Instagram. The baby conversation is a new one for me because I got pregnant very quickly and I was so not ready. And it was such a gift, of course, but I clearly I was never going to be ready. I was pregnant in my like late 30s, but and I'm getting uncomfortable even talking about it. I don't know why. I have a thing around the baby stuff, but it's going to be coming. I, it's definitely Wait, what, what I... what do you mean? Why are you uncomfortable? I know because it's just, I don't know. I, it's brought up so many of my old issues around my body and body image. And I've heard other pregnant women speak to the same thing. Like, I remember my brother came up to me once and just like lifted my shirt up and was like, what's the belly? I'm like, I'm three months pregnant. That's my body. Like that, you know, like, yeah. and that was the same for me in public, but that was my experience because clearly I had a lot of issues around it. I had a lot of stuff that wasn't quite resolved that I think now I'm, I recognize was a thing for me, but I still haven't really personally done the work around it. You know, I have other friends that are pregnant and none, none of this comes up for them. You know, they're just like, yes, touch my belly. It's wonderful. For me, it was, I, it just, it brought up that old, oh my God, am I fat? I'm not good enough. My pregnancy doesn't, I don't, my body doesn't look good enough. And it was just all this old judgment stuff. So it's not quite you know, the original conversation yeah. we were having, but definitely an interesting conversation and something that I'm I'm having now with myself and aware of and would love to put into the next book. So stay tuned on more <laughs> body, baby, belly um, conversations. But it doesn't come up as much with my clients. I definitely talk on social media about it a little bit more around having a pregnancy, having a vaginal birth, you know, what that does mean. And really, 
you know, back to some of the, the things that we do that harm our microbiome is we are so over-sterilized. Mm-hmm. And even giving a baby, you know, having a baby, they wipe that baby clean as quickly as possible. Everything just like we want it wrapped up in a bow. I remember a girlfriend of mine being like, I don't even want to look at my vagina during the process. I don't want to know what's going on down there. And like, we need to get in the goo, you know. I need to get in the goo. You don't have to have that baby wiped down. I was like, do yep. not clean that Do not baby. touch that baby. You know, let him let her sit in her own <laughs> stuff for a while, like a few hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were, it's designed to protect the baby and to nurse our microbiome. So, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, you if you have a, a birth, I've some people like prefer to call it a belly birth versus C-section. That's like a new trend that's happening, but I Why? leave it up to the person. Because C-section vagina. sounds clinical. It sounds like they didn't really weren't as much of a participant in the process. And I want to respect and honor all the mothers that need to have that for whatever reason. But we're talking about you literally take a large swab and swab your vagina and all the microbes that are in there, you can transfer them to the baby. And it's funny, I think, when you tell people that, they're like, oh my God, that sounds crazy. But what do you think is happening yeah, when the baby comes go wheezed out of your vagina? Right. <laughs> and there's a reason that baby comes out literally kissing your anus. Yeah, it's, yeah. I love that you call it that. <laughs> and birth is like, you know, again, back to the over sterilizing. I tell people, you know, I had a, an unmedicated delivery. I did not have an epidural and it was a massacre. There's buckets of fluid coming out of me, blood and guts and poop and liquid. And no one prepares you for this. And it's like, okay, I'm like rolling around on the table and all these fluids and okay, great. But they're there for a reason. They're there to right. protect you. They're the help of the birth and they're good. Right. And so, you know, with, um, I do not use any antibacterial soaps or gels or anything like that. We wash our hands, you know, after the bathroom with soap, but that's it. That's yeah. actually not going to strip you as much. And so just, you know, with things, vegetables that you're eating, you don't need to scrub them so, so clean anymore. You know, sometimes Especially I don't organic. wash them. I was going to say, yeah, if they're like organic, little, Right, yeah. Not, well, if they're not, then yeah. yes, of course. If they're not, then you need to yeah. thank your... But a little bit friend. of dirt is a good thing. Oh, okay. I got a question on yeah. this, yeah. actually. Mouthwash? Mm-mm. Not unless it's like, I'll use it. You could, there's a natural one you can use like that has neem in it and yeah. stuff like that. that. But even people, that rarely. I think this is something that really. Over sterilized. Really eludes people though. They don't even think about it. Like, oh, I never use antibiotics. I don't do this. Oh, but yeah. Like Listerine's in my cabinet. You're taking, you're killing like, all the bacteria in yes. your mouth. Digestion starts in your mouth. Yes. Right. But I'm saying like, chew. this is something that I think people even who are very focused on, you know, oh, yeah. they know about the gut and they're taking their probiotics. Like I would venture yeah. to guess that the yeah. overlap yeah. of those who are yeah. still using like antibacterial mouthwash is high because they just don't think free. about it. Yeah. yeah. So. And and I want to be clear too that antibiotics are not the devil. Like, oh my God, thank God, universe yeah, for antibiotics. Right. What an incredible miracle that we have this. But really, really think twice. They are definitely overprescribed. They do not need to be a backup or a safety. There's something going on. Likely your body needs rest. If you really need it, take it. But take your probiotic. Take, you know, have some fermented foods with it. But really, really as sparingly as possible because they do. They wipe out everything. Yeah. And it takes, what, about three years to get back to your place. I've heard like, so many mixed things on yeah. that. But yeah. It's, I'm sure it's yeah. obviously depends on the person. Yeah. And you're, like, I mean, and I grew up on antibiotics my whole, my whole life. I had chronic did. sinus infections. Me so, too. I yeah. I beg my mom for antibiotics. I remember being like sick. Because <laughs> they taste, the one that tasted good, did you get no, the like bubblegum one? Because it was magic to me. Yeah. And I hate, even as a child, I and an adult, I'm the worst sick person. I hate being sick. Psychologically, it just makes me so depressed. It yeah. makes me mm. so upset that I can't. Well, because your body's betraying you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're supposed I feel to cheated. And so time. when I was little, I, the second I would get like a cold, anything, I'd be like, oh, I need antibiotics. Z-pack, just give me the Z-pack. antibiotics. And my mom would be like, no. And I remember we'd get in a fight and I would beg. Wow. Her. 
because I knew that literally like in two days, they I know, were it's just, just like wiped out, gone. which is so crazy. It was magical to me. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, bugs, dirt, yeah, all really good for you. Yeah. And listen, it just gives you one more reason to like, you know, clean less. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay. Just let the linger over there just in the put corner. some Windex <laughs> yeah and this is and and one thing I want to share too is people say a lot about you know well we didn't have this when we were younger or no one had this conversation when we were younger well I think you know even thinking about um celiacs or gluten intolerance I think everyone had a stomach ache just there wasn't a word right. for it there we wasn't a commerce know. we just didn't know That's right. and I think yes I do see that there has been a difference in the generation uh, our generation even the generations below us um, versus great-grandparents or grandparents and how well people are and what, how their bodies are functioning, moving away from, you know, if you wanted a pie back then, you made it yourself and you made it from scratch. And now if you want a pie, you can get 52 kinds on the corner. For a dollar. For a dollar. Like, there's a difference in that. And I do think we I, we are sicker. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and we're doing it to ourselves, and by and large. Wait, can we talk about fermented foods? Yeah, I'd love to get very excited talking about anything pickled. I'm going to do a whole workshop on them because I'm, I'm like— so excited you start tooting over there. I know. <laughs> Well, I love them. And I think, again, it's something that people are, you know, they think it's like you got to bury something in your backyard and, and make fermented foods yourself. Well, that's a great idea. They do do that all around the world. So you well, find the right. oldest kimchi in yeah, Korea and the dirt. Like, I want someone's <laughs> Korean grandma to make it. Me too. I'm not getting involved in that. But you have some like hacks and stuff for how you can make it yourself, right? Yeah. So fermented foods are one of the best things that you can incorporate in your diet for nourishing your gut. I also want to make the distinction that if you have some digestive issues or upset, that's different than digestive disorders. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you have IBS, Crohn's, colitis, SIBO, that is a different conversation. That's not most people. So I just want to make that clear distinction. But if you're like most people, you maybe need a little more help pooping or you've been taking a lot of antibiotics, adding in fermented foods are going to help get some of those good gut bacteria, those probiotics into your belly, into your digestive system. And they have a little party with the bacteria you have in there and everything gets like turned up 10 notches till the cops come and shut it down. (laughs) Um, So fermented foods are a great source of that. There's all sorts of different fermented foods, but some do not have live probiotics. However, even if they've been fermented and they don't have live probiotics, they've been broken down a little bit in the digestive process. So they're easier for your body to digest. If some people think that they've never had a fermented food, if you've had chocolate, if you've had wine, if you've had the bread basket, those all go through a fermentation process. But of course, it's not the fermented foods we're using. Right. All the sourdough, would you make the argument? Yeah. That, yes, yeah. yes. Like not live dough. probiotics, not live probiotics, but definitely a more di- pre-digested for you. And the, the key in all of this is basically you don't want your digestive system to have to do so much work. So if you're thinking of all the jobs that it's doing, as we highlighted earlier, you you want to make it as easy as possible for it to do its job. So if you add in some of these fermented foods and they help break down the other foods you're eating, it makes everything go easier. And then you get more energy. You feel better. You look better. So fermented foods. So raw fermented sauerkraut. This is not the same thing that goes on a hot dog at the ballpark. This is in the refrigerated section of your your health food store or local farmer's markets. And you want to make sure the only ingredients are the cabbage or other vegetables, salt, and that's it. You want to make sure there's no vinegar. It should say on the label somewhere, raw, probiotic, something like that. Basically, it's it's sauerkraut that's gone through a fermentation process that essentially they might use a wild fermentation process with just salt and the vegetable and they break that down. Some people add a starter. But so many of those have vinegar. Those So those are not raw fermented ones that we're using as far as like uh, the probiotic conversation goes. So the ones that have vinegar do not have live bacteria. So that's like- So are they beneficial in any way? No, they're just a condiment. Interesting. Just a condiment. 
So it's not going to give you like how people think like yogurt has probiotics. It's not going to do anywhere the same thing. It's just going to be like a flavor thing that you add on. But I would definitely recommend if you're looking for that kind of flavor that you go for the live product because you're going to get all the good gut bacteria in there as well. And by live, we mean raw. Yeah, live, raw probiotics. So little like, think of it as like a little like happening party going on. So you've got sauerkraut, there's raw fermented vegetables, lots of drinks now, um, kombucha, kvass, kefir. They Wait, all... I still have one question. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting hung They'll up go. on this Interrupt. thing. Interrupt, cool. it's all good. So the, the kimchi, right? Yes. When you say it's a little party going on there, yes. the fermentation is the bubbling. It's the, all the yes. stuff. Just the live growing, action. Live action. And it's often visually seen in the form of like it's bubbling. Yeah. So when you open a thing of kimchi, or at least the brands that I buy, they're always kind of bubbling. Um, and they kind of do a little like, Psh, when you open yeah, it. Yeah. Pff, kind of a little too <laughs> But the ingredient, they, uh, don't they always have vinegar? No, kimchi doesn't. Sometimes you'll see sugar in kimchi. Yeah, I don't buy the ones. That are- yes. Um, but they shouldn't have, not the li- not the ones that I've yeah. seen. Is it in the refrigerated section? Yeah. No. They okay. Maybe vinegar. I'm just imagining that. Okay, as you were. Kimchi is different too sometimes because it goes through a two-step fermentation process. So they ferment the vegetables and then it goes through another process again with the flavoring agent. So some, you may see something that uses a vinegar in one of the steps. Maybe, yeah. Um, but the vinegar would kill um, the bacteria in it, the good bacteria. Okay, the vinegar kills the bacteria even if yeah. it's apple cider vinegar. Well, the raw mother, it depends how it's processed. That one, if it's a, if you're speaking about true unfiltered, true unfiltered, raw, right, then it's raw. Vinegar. Yeah. Which let's also draw the distinction because I think that's right. A I'm big t- deal. making like, yes. Thank you. When people come home from like key food with a clear bottle of apple cider vinegar, which is very clearly <laughs> quite yeah. different Without than like a Bragg's amino yes. acid, a Bragg's apple cider vinegar yeah. with the mother. Yeah. Um, which is kind of that like thick, goopy sort of boogery thing at the bottom, akin to like the worm in the mezcal, basically. Akin to yes. the globuly thing in the kombucha. In the kombucha. Yes. Those are two different the things. The goober. I call it the goober. Oh, so, you got the goober. Ooh. So when you're getting the that clear, crappy, cheap apple cider vinegar, that's actually bringing you no benefit. Is that correct? It's probably just straight. Yeah, yeah. at that point. Okay. Vinegar. It hasn't been like gone through that process quite as much. So, um, yeah. And then the kombucha question, because I mm-hmm. think that's interesting in that, you know, it's people are excited because it's, you know, it's this like probiotic drink and it's delicious and and you get a little buzz sometimes, but the sugar factor, does that cancel it out completely? Or is it, I mean, there's still benefit there from it, right? Yeah, I love this question. So it still does have sugar. Everyone's like, but the SCOBY, so SCOBY is a sympathetic organism essentially that's, you know, has the source of the probiotics in it and it grows and creates this in the drink and you feed it sugar. That's how it gets happy. It's belly's full and it, it grows and multiplies. That's the goober in that drink that you're drinking. There is still some sugar. The, the SCOBY does not eat all of it. So there is still some sugar. It's a trade-off. And if you're having, you know, a primarily whole foods-based diet and you're adding some of these fermented foods and you're having a little bit of sugar in this form, most people should be okay. It's when we're over-sugared and we're having too many processed food, mm-hmm. too many things that have sugar added to them, that's when it's going to be the problem. So I say it's fine. Like the benefit outweighs the fact that there's some sugar in there. But also we are drinking way too much kombucha in a serving. Yes. We're only supposed to have like, it's supposed to be like a shot glass. Yeah. I know. know. So even big bottles, four to six ounces, like I'll even let you get away with eight. And yes, please. I'm like guilty of, you know, having a whole bottle, but it's, it is way too much. So I like to give the tip. It's just too much period. Like you don't need that much ferment at once. You know, one tip I give too around the ferments is you really want to think of them as a condiment. Mm -hmm. So how much 
you know, cabbage would you put on something if you were just adding like a sauerkraut like at the ballpark? You'd I mean, put a you put a few scoops. I can eat. I can take I down some cabbage. Same. It's so good. I can take down some kraut. <laughs> I can eat a whole jar of kraut. Oh. I love it. I love it. So yeah, just a few forkful, forkfuls, and it's not meant to replace fresh vegetables. Right. You know, it's not. That's not the point of it. So the tip I give around kombucha is have some in a glass and then um, cut it with sparkling water or seltzer mm-hmm. or something like that. And what do you think about the? Um, you've seen like these vinegars. Some of them are shelf stable, actually. So they're, they're, it's like the drinking the vinegars. Gut, well, the gut shot, which yeah, it's oh the the gut shot. Okay, so that's very clever um, by who makes it? Is it Farmhouse Culture? So basically, it's all the the brine. It's the it's brining like it's the liquid. They're so smart. They're not throwing it away. They're putting it in a jar. So I always tell people to drink the juice. You don't want to drink it jar- directly from the jar because the bacteria in your mouth are unique, and you do not want them necessarily always mixing in the with the bacteria in the jar. Yeah. Wait, no, no the jar of what? You lost me. Start over. So, so <laughs> any jar of fermented foods, okay. you do not want to go directly mouth to fork, mouth to bottle, anything like that. So you want to make sure you use a clean fork. Anytime you put that fork in the jar, you want it to be a clean fork. Okay, and so if wait, you're doing a you shot, just, you want it in a glass. And you don't want to drink the liquid straight out right. of the okay, jar. Okay, so when I pop open my glass jar of raw bubbling sauerkraut— mm-hmm. And I just start like chomping away with my fork, She's and I'm saying, no, putting no. my fork back in there. You just contaminate. If you finish it, I'm the it only within one like, who eats it. but I'm if you, only, so it's not that. It just it. depends, like, I know, what's I know. happening with your bacteria that day. It may not be like it's peak bacteria, and then it goes in there and it multiplies. Yeah, it's so, right. So, basically, I'd say with that, if you're eating it, sometimes I'll eat it straight out the jar for finishing it within like three days. So between my husband, my daughter, and myself, we'll we'll finish a jar in a few days. I'm so, the only one who eats fine. it in my house, yeah, so I'm like, whatever, eat it out of the jar. But basically. Can you just be a little bit more civilized and put it in a bowl? (laughs) You're going to benefit. And also, you'll look a little classier. Yeah. And I'm sure you have a really cute bowl that's like dying to be used for that. That would look really (laughs) classier. Always trying to tag me. To look classier. Okay. I'll send you a picture of me eating with a proper fork and bowl. I love love getting pictures like that. (laughs) But then the gut shot was that they're actually selling like the liquid. Mm -hmm. I I think it's Farmhouse that's doing it. We can fact check. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great Um, product. They're awesome. It's literally just the liquid like leftover that they're selling in a a little shot, which is a great idea and also refrigerated. But I got something recently at, I actually went to a fermentation festival in Greenpoint. It was a bunch of pickle nerds. I will tell you. Oh, that's right. (laughs) My colleague was there. I couldn't, I was away that week and I was dying to go. So I bought a little bottle of, if it was an apple cider, I think it was an apple cider vinegar base. Um, But I mean, they presented it as like, this is live probiotics. Mm -hmm. It's it's in my cabinet. Like it's not in the fridge. And they said it'll last for like a year and you just take like a tablespoon every morning. It's hot. Like it's spicy. Oh, of of fire, uh, what's it called? Fire cider? One of those? Yes. 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 Okay. So I get confused on that one because it's cooked and then they do say it has some probiotics, but I keep mine in the refrigerator. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, that one. Because I haven't experimented with that one. I'm not as familiar with every single ferment. It's funny because a friend of mine, Emily Sullivan, posted, you know, I've always been a DIY girl and now she's trying yogurt. And I've made yogurt before. Rather, she used to make yogurt in high school and now she's going to be making it again. I make it again. I am more the person. I love to make my ferments and I recommend that people do because you get different strains of probiotics. It gets you involved. It's your bacteria. It's really cool. And they're expensive. But I am more than happy to pay others for their time, their research, their knowledge, their production value. And so like uh, fire cider, for example, which is basically a concoction of vinegar and different roots and herbs and spices yeah, that help you like stay turmeric. healthy. It's yeah, turmeric, ginger, it's yeah. spicy and like strong. 
I haven't made it yet because I'm not, I'm not, ju- I'm just not as much of a DIY girl. I'm more like, you know, go all in, do run my business, my coaching practice, write my books, do my thing, be a mom. And then I'm, I'm like, bravo housewives. <laughs> okay. I'm not, you know, in the kitchen. I mean, I'll be fermenting, you know, uh, once a month or something like that, but I'm just not in there every night DIYing it. I'm just, you know, I'm hey, not that I, girl. I'm not that girl either. Go <laughs> I wish I was sometimes. And that's like why, you know, ultimately that's why Blueprint right. it's created. It's like, I'm not going to do this myself. Jesus, this is so... This becomes your job, so why not make your job? But anyway, so my question is, what is the easiest food to ferment? So if people want to start, and what is the sort of least intimidating first step? Don't say sauerkraut. It's it de- it's definitely not sauerkraut. Okay, good. Okay. So <laughs> we're all on the same all on the same page. Sauerkraut. None of this is hard, but it's a project. The least projecty one, the simplest one, is in my recent book, In Thin from Within. I have these pretty and pink fermented radishes. And basically, what you there's so good. Basically, what you do is I'm going to talk you through it. You get a mason jar. You do not have to sterilize it. It's fine. You put water and salt. Ton of sea salt, Celtic salt. And I chop like up the radishes. Chop up the radish. Wait, you're not there. Didn't get there. I didn't get there yet. Oh, We're up to the salt water. So salt and shake it. Let the salt dissolve, and you want it to be super salty, like the ocean. Chop up your radishes, and you know you don't. I don't even necessarily wash them. I'll just kind of wipe off any dirt spots because you want that bacteria that's on the radishes to multiply in the jar. You add those radishes to the jar, and you can add some peppercorns. You can add some dill, etc. And you leave it. Um, you want everything to be below the liquid line. Radishes typically are, but you can put like you know, a collard leaf or a cabbage leaf. But even that, I've done it without that and it's still been fine. Store it in a cool, dark, dry place. Wait, you want to add a cabbage leaf for what? On top to make sure that the vegetable oh, so stays below the liquid a, line. Yes, just to keep so, it So, yes, down. you want to create an anaerobic environment in there where it's not touching oxygen. Oxygen is what makes a ferment rot and not become a ferment. It just makes it the food that you throw away in the trash. Right. What makes it a, a ferment is the salt, which brings out the probiotic and, and creates that good bacteria. And it also preserves it. And then the liquid, you want it to be below the juice, whatever it is that you've got going on there. So you want to make sure it's below the liquid line. I even typically do mine without and it's usually fine. So leave that. So you want it to be full of radishes and you've got your salt water solution in there. Dill is wonderful. Peppercorns are great. And then you put it in a cool, dark place. And every couple of days, because remember we talked about those live bubbles happening in the kimchi jar, it's a live product. So you do not want it to explode on you. So every couple of days, you just want to loosen the top of the jar, let a little bit of air escape, and Get put it back gassy. on. It gets a little gassy. And then you put it back on. And then after a week or so, you taste it. And I typically let it go two to three weeks, and it's fine. And I do have a support group around this. So I have a Thin From Within Facebook group because I know I'm going to get— I have a radish support group because I know I get a lot of questions. But just to share, there's been no reports of anybody ever getting sick or dying from their own homemade ferment you will know if something's good and you will know if it's bad. If you smell it and it smells like yummy sour pickles, it's good. If it smells, you look at it and it's like a yellow mold on it, clearly it's bad. But I've never seen that. I've never had a, a client or a student or a reader report anything. The only thing That's I've ever they've seen- they've passed away. <laughs> they're gone. That's because they died. <laughs> just kidding. I, I've oh. only seen a little bit of like, sometimes even if there's a little skim of mold on the top, you can just scoop that off and what's beneath oh, it is great. Oh, should, should we anticipate potentially- It could happen if, if it's not below the liquid line. So when okay. I get a little lazy and I don't have like an extra kale leaf or something. Got it. Got it. Okay. There could be, but again, it's go underneath what what smells good, tastes good. It's good. I'm now doing this. I'm doing starting. it too. We're going to do, do it. it. Today. Hey, do you want to ferment off? Let's have a radish content. Okay. And then when you say cool, dark place, like temperature... Temperature like matters cabinet. because you don't want it to be in the sun because it's going to basically ferment before it has a, a chance to develop and the 
flavor is there and the probiotics get further, far enough along, essentially. And you don't want it to be too cold because then nothing will happen? Correct. Okay. So, what, so just like a cabinet? Like cabinet, exactly. Back, just make sure it's not in the sunny spot in your kitchen and you'll be fine. 60s. Okay, I'm saying 60 degrees. Right, it's on. Mine don't even get that. But a lot of people do. They have a cov or like in Europe, they have a basement. Yeah, I totally cellar. Have a I have a cov and they have these huge fermentation vessels and they look like they're from the Middle Ages. And you know, it's where you keep your cheese and your ancient wines. It, your- oh, yeah, my a cov. Yeah. A cov. Uh, it's yeah. a cave. It's a not a cave. It's a cellar. It's yeah. a cellar. In, I thought you, know, you said cave. Yeah. <laughs> my friend is in France and she calls it a cov. So I've never been able to stop tell- calling you <laughs> that. Douche. But it's just, you know, I mean, she gets to have a she, cov. I know. I'm going to hang out with her. <laughs> but they do use these old fermentation vessels and they're like, you know, they have sauerkraut from years and years and years ago at the bottom. You want that. Again, we are overwashed, over sterilized. It's supposed to be a little funky. We like to keep things a little dirty. Oh, yes. Hey, here's a, a question. Dirty. Did you ever see that Michael Pollan documentary Oh, it was a documentary. His little series. The series. Um, the one on bread. Booked. Yes. I, I, booked. One or two of them, but I might have Did you see fallen the one? Asleep. Okay, Air, Air right? Yeah. It was the one about all the ferment. And then yes. the story about the... You saw it, Erica, mm-hmm. right? The story about the nun, the cool is... Oh, I don't, I don't think I got that far. Nun, I think I, who <laughs> had like, <laughs> as a hobby, she was like, oh, and I make I make my own cheese over here. She yes. was like on a farm. Yes. I make my own cheese in this like... Was it in her pocket or something? Or whatever. Yeah. No, she had a proper... Um, <laughs> Cov. Whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheesery, <laughs> and she had all of her beautiful, these big, beautiful wheels of cheese that she, yeah. I mean, just this, she was a master at this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, she she described how she had been doing it on these like very kind of porous wooden trays, and she would let them kind of like age on these trays and stick them on the shelf and whatnot. And at one point, like the FDA came in and said, hey, this is not to code sister. (laughs) And so they're like, you know, this is not clean. You need to do it on stainless steel. Bacteria is getting in there, blah, blah, blah. So the switch happened, I think, or something around this where basically once she changed her her technique and, and was forced to start using this sort of stainless steel, she was running into all these problems. So it was like contamination, right? right? So being too clean. From being too clean. So basically the, the point is, is that all of those crevices and little pores and in the wood, that's where the bacteria was getting in. And that bacteria was essential in keeping things in balance, keeping things, Mm -hmm. you know, healthy. So it was kind of making all that good bacteria or all that bacteria good. And then all the contamination occurred once this sort of, you know, sterilization kind right. of process Once happened. the FDA intervened. Yeah. I mean, and it was just like, and it's like, well, this is the way it's been done for like thousands of Millennia, years. Yeah. So like, you know, and no one, we haven't had a problem since, but okay, FDA. Right. I think you, you must got, be right. You got the inside scoop on right. this one. So anyway. Yeah. No, and that's primarily here in the U.S. It's around the globe is uh, there's all these ferments served with every different meal, you know, natto and uh, different injera breads and everything yeah. around the globe is fermented. And we're the ones that are like, we like it in a package in a certain and way. Super clean and super clean. And so puritanical and yeah, I know. obsessed. But I want to give a nod to your listeners. I'm sure everyone is wants to do better, right? We all want to be, yeah. you know, nuns. nuns, you know, essentially with our wheels of cheese in some way. And, and you can just go get a jar of sauerkraut and start there. All right. We're going to have a radish contest and then we're going to ask everybody on Instagram to show us their radish jars. Yes. Tag That's me, gonna, Robin Euclid, like thin from within. <laughs> Starting to sound like, show me your radishes. Yeah. 
I mean, I, yeah, kind of. I know. I'm like, wait. <laughs> I call them your um, ferment babies because it is like a child. It does. You need yeah. to like be aware of it. You can't really leave it and go on vacation. You have to, you know, right. someone yeah. has to take care of it. Someone come in and check my radish. <laughs> you have to feed the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then when it's done, you put it in the fridge. I got the Sandor Katz, who's like the godfather of fermentation world, calls it the uh, refrigerator, a fermentation stopping device. So once it's gotten far <laughs> along enough, right. you taste it to your liking and then you put it in the refrigerator and then it will stay there forever, basically. Right. Okay. And so typically... Couple weeks, you think? I go. I like three weeks. Okay, all right, it's on. So if you're feeling just snacky, time for Thanksgiving, if you're feeling snacky, <laughs> and my daughter loves start them. it. My and daughter you just have loves to three them. Weeks. She yeah. literally will eat bowls of them. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, kids. Okay, She's I just want to say, kids do love kid. sour foods. If you yeah. think that your kid is like not gonna want this, there there's something in there that maybe not at first, maybe they will. I don't know. But my daughter's two and a half, and she loves them, and I've been giving them all to her in all forms since day one. Kids love pickles. Well, not, yeah. maybe not day yeah. one, like day you know six months. But, so. <laughs> <laughs> I used to soak my French fries in vinegar when I was little. Wow. I just, so that was like, met with an awkward oh, pause. That we, like, I didn't want to say to that. I'm thinking about you with like some soggy, like British style French uh, fries. Yeah, yeah. I would just drench them in and then little paper crush paper. up some antibiotics and put them on top just mm-hmm. so you can have your complete meal. Yeah. You're, and you're good to go. I did used to dip the McDonald's French fries and the McDonald's soft serve cone. Did anybody oh. else start with that? Yeah, oh, that's like wow. a thing. I was like, and I, I should say, like, I love junky foods. Like, I am a foodie ultimately at heart, but I know that I want to feel good in my body too. Well, so, and it's about balance, right? Like, you can enjoy those junky foods better when you know that you've had like some good fermentation to start and you're capping it off properly. So, it is, it's all about the balance. Exactly. And knowing too your body and what it can handle and where you're at, you know? Yeah. I used to not be able to keep a jar of peanut butter in the house because I'd eat the whole dang thing. Now it's like, it's fine, no big deal. Just dip some radishes. I'm going to start talking about I know. Just can't hear your peanut butter story again. <laughs> Erica's me talking about lectins and peanut butter. Oh, oh, yes. That's a big conversation. There's, I, there was so much controversy when I posted about Plant Paradox on Instagram. I got so many messages of people like, oh my God, it was so polarizing. Yeah. So it was very... Well, it's very extreme. It's, it's an interesting one for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's definitely... You got to pay attention because you have to take it into consideration, but then you have to use your best judgment and, you know, listen to your gut. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Know where you're at. What's your gut telling you? Listen to your body. Um, Well, speaking of foodie experiences, um, if you had your fantasy dinner party, what are you serving? Cheese. Delicious. Buckets and buckets of cheese. (laughs) I am a cheese platter girl. Yes. Yes. For that. Thank you. Thank you. I wrote a whole newsletter once about like eating in a whole cheese plate and what that meant for me. Which was not, it it ended well, but it was a good story. I am like cheese, like every kind of like, yeah, all that, like cheese cheese platter, olives, crackers kind of girl. After that, whatever you want. I don't know. Nice roast chicken sounds good. <laughs> Sour okay, crop, so you have a beautiful cheese plate. Mm-hmm. You have a nice roast chicken. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? And I'm going to ask um, also, where are you? Okay. You could be in your cave in France. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be a beautiful setting. It's true. I mean, I, you know, where would I be? Probably somewhere on vacation. I love to travel. So, of course, I picture like a big rustic table in Europe or something like that, south of France, but who knows. And, you know, after that, I definitely would, drinking-wise, I I might have some wine. I might have some kombucha. I'm not actually not like a drinking with a meal person. I'm a very all or nothing. Like when I'm eating my food, I want to be all in my food. When I'm drinking, I want to be all in my booze. <laughs> I like you. But yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> and so I'll have, sometimes I'll have a little wine with a meal if, you know, if my gut tells me to, but most of the time I won't. And then if I do go out and it's like an out, out night, then I'm typically drinking a Jameson and ginger. 
oh. which is not in anything in any of the fermentation categories, but I'm very honest about myself and yeah. my life. You got to do for you. Um, and who James are you ginger. populating at the table <laughs> at your fantasy dinner party? My fantasy, my husband. I love him so much. Um, <laughs> He's I just do. a medium Jew. I do. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> We've just been through a lot together. He's an entrepreneur too and owns his own business. And um, what's just his name? Scott. Scott. Scott Nathan Valens. Medium Jew. Medium <laughs> Jew. Very tall. Doesn't look Jewish at all. Um, but I don't know. I just love him. Who else? My girls. I'm very close with Gabrielle Bernstein, Jamie Graber, Jenny Sansucci. I just love my my wellness babes. Whenever I'm with them, I have all these little ahas and breakthroughs. Like just when you think like there's nothing else in, you know, the files that you could get to. And it's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Wait a minute. I remember. It's like, it's just, I don't know. It's so. No, that's the mark of a good friendship. Yeah. When people are continuing to bring new things to the team. Yeah, You're totally. growing together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like and my bacteria. college girls. I, it's all about the bacteria. My college girls. I love my college girls because they love, they have loved me for who I I am since day one. I showed up like everyone, it was in, I don't know what they were in, but I was in like platform Doc Martens and like velour, you know, halter tops. And I don't know. I was just on my own planet and I've always been a, a goof. So they've loved me from day one and I adore them. And then, I don't know, Marion Williamson, be lovely to have her there. My daughter's pretty cool. She can come hang. So my other friends, Emily, who's one of my superstars at Team Your Healthiest You. I don't know. I just love the people that are in my life now yeah. are the people I you're enjoy living, having. Around. You're living the dream. I mean, <laughs> that's good. You know, it sounds like a nice thanks. party. Cool. Yeah. It's just that you, people I love. Yeah. You don't have people in your life right now that you don't enjoy. That's the goal. Yes. That's yeah. the goal. We want to get rid of the bad bacteria. All the good bacteria. Just keep it around. Keep it proliferating. <laughs> thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info. And check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.